You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Today's episode of the show is all about the truth, the search for the truth. Now, that sounds a bit wanky. I'm Alicia, the host of the show. I am an Australian. I live in London. I like talking about weddings and other things. I am a big fan of cream cheese. There you go. That's something you didn't know about me and don't care. Today's episode of the show is entitled 18 Wedding Planning Truths. And I've basically sat down and gone through this list. Actually, I'm writing my second book, Bride Chiller, at the moment. And it's been really fun to sort of go in and write more about the actual emotional side of wedding planning, not necessarily just the aesthetics and the organizing side, because really over the last 180 episodes, I can't say for today yet because I'm still currently recording it at this juncture. But looking back, the podcast is really fundamentally all about people and about organizing people and emotions and all the other stuff that's charging up your wedding planning. And with the podcast, yes, there are the odd question about aesthetics, which I really enjoy answering. But most of them, when you look deep down, all those questions seem to come back to people. And this time in our lives where we are making really big changes, we're connecting with new people, new families, we're coming together, we're dealing with issues... And for a lot of people, like, this is their first big adult thing. And I'm not being, you know, taking the piss here. I'm just saying that, yeah, we go off, some of us, to university or college and you live alone and uh, you make big decisions. And some people will live together for 10 years before they become engaged and, you know, they buy a house and all this sort of stuff. But for many people, this is the first big major thing. They plan on their own. They go out. They go rogue. They do their own thing. Some people will take the journey where... They do what their parents sort of say, and others will go in very independently and uh, and make their own decisions. Some do bits in between the middle, and it's really interesting learning from you lovely people, bride chillers and groom chillers, about which paths you are taking, and it's been really helping me write. So today I thought it would be fun to go through some of these points that I have been learning about uh, for the book and also sharing them with you. And I learn with you guys every week. Whenever you send me a new question, it sort of inspires me and I'll go, okay, that could be a good chapter in the, t- in the book. Or, okay, I could twist that around and use that little bit of information. Or I think that's a good question. That would be great to expand more into, into bigger chapters. So I thought this 18 wedding planning truths would be fun and catchy and also a good way to crank through a wide range of topics on the show, but also reiterate a couple of my more prominent points that I like to talk about. So should we just get into it? I'm going to do a little list. It's like your very own Alicia Buzzfeed. Oh dear. Uh, Number one in the wedding planning truths. These are things that you learn when you start to plan a wedding. Now you may be two years into this bloody thing. You might be two minutes in Everyone is going to learn something today. Number one is selecting a dress from four million dresses that all appear to look the same. I am such a fan of people, women especially, wearing whatever the hell they want to wear. And you will be surprised 
when you start expanding your horizons outside of the traditional white strapless dress, which I don't want people, people write to me and go, Alicia, you hate those dresses. I know you hate them. I don't hate them. I'm just saying I would love people to have the opportunity to explore, to broaden their horizons. It's just saying you don't have to wear that dress. I don't have any hatred for it. Some people look fucking smoking hot in those dresses. I personally did not. I didn't feel comfortable in it. You got to feel comfortable. You got to feel sexy. You got to be the best you that you can be. And if that is not wearing a dress that has no straps, if that is wearing a dress that has, I don't know, big puffy sleeves, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. So, The funny thing is when you first get engaged and you grow out and you buy one of those wedding magazines, one thing you'll notice is that everything looks the same. You got to get out there and experience new things. You need to, you need to uh, perhaps start following some designers, some great Instagram accounts, perhaps. I'm talking about thinking outside the box when it comes to finding a wedding dress that's maybe not necessarily sold in a traditional wedding dress place. One suggestion that keeps coming up over and over again, and I love it, is looking at bridesmaids' dresses. There are heaps of bridesmaids' dresses that are a lot more interesting shapes and designs that still come in your white, your ivory, your cream, whatever you want to wear. Maybe you want to wear a colorful dress. That is also fantastic. So one thing you need to do is when you first come across all of the wedding dresses, you need to shut that shit down, say, if that doesn't suit me, I'm not going to be feeling like I'm overwhelmed because there's only that sort of dress available. Expand your options, get creative and enjoy doing that. There is no rush to buy a dress. I'm also a big believer that if you want to find a dress, I found my wedding dress three weeks before our big day because I had a wedding dress meltdown when I realized that the strapless big dress that I bought from David's Bridal, I did it no judgment, no judgment out there for any of us. Uh, It had pockets. I loved the pockets. It had a big, beautiful skirt, but I kept trying it on and hitching it up and it just wasn't fitting me. It wasn't feeling good. So I went out, bought a new dress, much better for me. Then I donated the other dress. Some lucky lass got to wear that dress. God, I'd love to know who. I really would. Anyway, that's not what charity's about. You don't have to just stalk people. You don't need recognition. Number two, avoiding trends is really hard to do. Most weddings take over a year to plan, so I want to put this little point in your brain right now, is that you got to think about picking up design aesthetics that aren't necessarily the red-hot thing of the moment, because if you look back on photos of weddings from the 80s, now nothing is going to be perfect because that doesn't exist, but also looking back, things will date. There is no doubt. We look back 10 years ago and you go, why did I wear those pants? They look ridiculous. Well, I do anyway. But I think when you are picking up on things that everyone else is doing, that everyone else has pinned, you start to see certain, you, you, you know, I could pick now certain years where we, you know, you know what have been in fashion. Like we did use the little tiny milk bottles. That was sort of like when we, that was three years ago. And now I don't, are people doing that anymore? I don't know. Um, also bunting Louise, you would have heard a few weeks ago from Beloved. She was sort of saying bunting. It's really cute. A lot of people have done it now. Maybe it's over. If you're still like, if it has relevance and you want to make some bunting, great. Burlap and Hessian. That was huge a few years ago. I'm not saying this stuff is out of fashion, 
But I am just saying, if you are looking at something and you go, that looks cool, but it doesn't have any connection with the theme that you're doing or connection with what you're trying to express, but you think everyone else is doing it, don't just do it for that reason. That's super snores. And also, you're just going to look like everyone else. And I don't know. Do you want to do that? Probably not. Number three in the 18 wedding planning truths is reading contracts are boring but vital. And I've talked about this a lot on the show. I had the wonderful uh, Christy Aslan. She is from yourweddinglawyer.com. She came on and talked about the importance of reading your contracts. I know they're the most fucking boring bits of paper. Look, I've got them. Look, look at all this. I've got like literally... And this is not, I'm not planning a wedding. This is just like all my business shit. I pile it next to my microphone. And then I go, I'd much rather record a podcast than read this stuff. But it really does. When you are in a situation where you are spending your hard-earned money, potentially your parents' hard-earned money, whoever's paying for the wedding, and you are going into a business arrangement with a wedding vendor, you must read the contract to know your rights, to know what they're going to deliver for the money and what you're going to get. And oh, so often people have written to me and said, oh, someone's dropped out or things haven't worked out for this. And I write back and say, listen, what does the contract say? And I I'm really still surprised. There's a couple of people, you know who you are, I love you, and we've been talking on the emails, that have written saying, this person's jacked me off, they've let, they've, they've really let me down. And then when you sort of start talking, you realize they haven't signed anything. So really, when you're paying money and you're not signing a, a contract to say, when I pay you this money, this is what you will give me in return, and then... If you don't do that and they let you down, it's really hard to pursue them to either get your money back or to ensure that they are actually going to do what you're paying them to do. I referred a few people back to Christy just to say, can you help them? And it's, and I hope they have pursued that advice because I know she's amazing at what she does. Her whole business is around uh, helping people get out of these problems and making sure that they are educated and uh, in put in a good position as consumers to not get ripped off, basically. And I think we can learn this in IRL, in real life, that, you know, obviously we try our best to be putting our money in the right places and dealing with people that are of genuine, legit business people who, you know, you want to be in business with, but sometimes there are schemey bastards who just rip you off. So I think it's really good to be very aware when you're signing and uh, what you're signing for, read it, even though it can be boring. It's really important that you do this. Cover your ass and also be really open about having a discussion, putting things in writing. If they're a little small business and you are concerned that they aren't providing you with the right paperwork, you, as Christy said, you're well in your rights to go to the internet and get a very simple form template and adjust that and have you both sign it and make sure that you are covering yourself in that way. It's not as sophisticated, but it certainly gives you a bit of a backup if things do go awry. Not to be a Debbie Downer and say things are going to go awry, but it's just good to cover your bot bot. Number four is everyone has an opinion. There is always going to be advice overload. It will happen. Now, no matter how cool your wedding planning community are, your family, your friends. I know 
that 99.9% of people out there, when they hear you're getting married, will have an opinion about your venue, your dress, how many people you're inviting, how much money you're spending, what sort of cake you're going, are you going to be serving food, are you going to be drinking, who's paying for the booze. I mean, the list goes on and on. There is basically not a topic within wedding planning that someone around you, I'm sure, hasn't pursued you with their own opinion. Bride chillers and groom chillers, hear me roar as I like to say. My big message that I want to say to you is it's not rude to not take in all of these opinions. You need to be able to erect your very own hypothetical pretend white noise shield that just like Shearer from Masters of the Universe, child of the 80s here, blocks all of this shit. Because if you start to absorb it all, take it in and start worrying about all of these opinions, then you will have a full mental breakdown. I joke about it, but I'm also very serious that we do take on stress. Opinions can affect people in lots of different ways, especially when it comes to family and our pre-existing feelings and relationships with families. There are lots of sort of manipulations that families can do to each other. I'm not even talking about consciously. This is like subconscious shit that you know you act a certain way around a parent or an auntie or uncle and you want to please them or you know that they say certain things that fire you up so you want to yell at them. I think when it comes to wedding planning, you need to make a bit of a pact with your other half that you will work together as a team and you will do your best to avoid being upset or bothered by opinions of outsiders because a lot of the time their opinion doesn't mean anything it's just extra noise you can just say thank you that's great move on but don't let it drag you down number five is a really obvious point but i want to make it again because i think we sometimes forget this everything will cost more than you think if you are new to this wedding planning gig i guarantee you're going to have a couple of moments of what i is there a zero added to the, is this a mistake we have all been there where you go this is you gotta be fucking kidding is this the same food that normal people is this royal family food it must be jerry it's royal family food they've added an extra zero it's ridiculous and you need to not let that drag you down you need to thank people politely like seriously we had this i shit you not we had a quote come in um, that was for food. It was catering only, and it did not include any crockery or cutlery or glassware because we needed all this. And it was, we had 40, like we actually had 50 people. Let's round it off, like 52 people at our wedding. And they quoted 18, 18 and a half thousand Australian dollars. And I was like, I'm, st- I, What? And when it came through, they were, we had such a lovely meeting with these people and we're like, we don't want, we want really nice food, but we won't want too much. We're really on a budget and we're going to stick to it. And we weren't like tight asses, but we were saying we want good food, but you know, that's wackadoodle. So when this, when the quote came in, I was like lightheaded. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What the hell is this? But then I picked up my little, my little sad sack pants and I got back on the horse these are metaphors that make no sense. And uh, look, we just started again and then we made it quite clear. We went into the situation where we went, our budget is, I think, what, five or six grand. We ended up paying less for food. And we went in and said, this is what we have. Can we work with you? If not, 
buy. And basically, we went around to like five or six caterers and eventually found an amazing caterer who worked with our budget and who really put up with me driving them down and removing unnecessary items from their bill. But, you know, when we got the 80, it was like $18,500. I was just like, I don't understand who these people are doing business with because that you honestly would need gold-plated turds to be getting me on board to pay this money. No one's paying for it, gold-plated turds, by the way. Number six, you will consider and threaten to elope at least 34 times. And that is okay. How many of you out there right now listening are like, I want to get on a fucking boat and take a ride to elopement town because I'm sick of the money, I'm sick of the stress, I'm sick of the worry. Now, hopefully, you're listening to this show and you aren't feeling stressed and worried, but I know I'm not a miracle maker. I realize that you will go through times of stress, you will want to ditch it all, and some of you probably rightfully should ditch it all and go and get hitched somewhere quietly on an island. I'm 100% supportive of getting to a point where you go, families aren't going to budge, or we've run out of money, or I'm sick of the dramas. You know what? Let's pack this shit up. Let's go to the town hall. Let's have a quiet bevy and a quiet ceremony and go away and spend all the money on a holiday. Or let's reinvest the money that we were going to use on a wedding and put it into a house or a really good round-the-world adventure. I think there are opportunities in life and times in life where you can trust your gut and maybe this time is now where you're like, I don't actually want this big wedding. Maybe you just need to take a weekend off the wedding planning and watch some House of Cards. Number seven, which sort of connects with the last one, you will probably cry (laughs) at stupid things. We become overly sensitive, and I'm talking about males and females here. There's something about stress, heightened emotions, expectations that eventually can beat you down. And you find yourself standing in a supermarket crying when the olives, the Kalamata olives, does this sound real? It's because things happen. When you feel like, why are the olives not there? Why am I finding myself crying over no olives when all I wanted to do was make a chicken, an olive? So, I mean, you know, things happen. I don't want you to judge yourself or me for crying at olives, but your body has a crazy way of dealing with stress and it does crack at certain times. We're only halfway through this shindig. I hope you're enjoying it. There will be more of my list, 9 to 18, getting there quickly after this very short message from my wonderful sponsors who I hope you are supporting, enjoying, and if you do support them, make sure you remind them where you heard from them. Crying at Olives is not my best moment. I'm not a crier, so when I do cry, my family and friends are like, oh my God, what's going on? She's cracked. Is she okay? What's happening? Number nine, you will take on ridiculous DIY projects that in real life you would balk at and think is stupid. And I support you in your artistic DIY endeavors, but also I'm a big believer in not taking on projects that you can either pay for, pay someone else to do because your time is precious and important, or that you could buy in a shop for a quarter of the price. My big tip with DIY is just to make sure that you aren't overextending yourself. And yeah, it's nice to have a handmade napkin or a bloody hand-painted menu. But if you're shit at calligraphy and you end up buying all the calligraphy stuff and it takes up 44 hours of your precious time and in the end you hate yourself and you want to shove that 
calligraphy pen up someone's ass, then it's probably not a good use of your time and your stress levels. And I think you maybe would be better just going to a yoga class. That is a lesson that you all need to learn in your own very special time and way. But trust me, we're not all DIY geniuses that Pinterest and Martha Stewart weddings and the Lauren Conrad website make us out to be. Number 10, you will fight with your fiance about silly things, no matter how in love and cool you are. Rich and I rarely fight, and I know people hate hearing that shit. It doesn't mean we're perfect. We're probably more passive-aggressive people, and you will hear in our new podcast, Significant Other, we're going to talk about fighting, and we're going to talk about being at that stage in our relationship, being a bit mature, and realizing that in past relationships, I used to yell, and now I don't really yell anymore. And I think that's an evolution of me, but also I think we just found each other at the right time, uh, and not right time as in woo-woo, I just mean we've we'd sort of evolved in ourselves to communicate probably more effectively. But then also sometimes I sort of wish we did yell at each other, but that's probably a conversation for another podcast. However, I will say that you should respect and love each other because you are getting hitched because of that reason. And sometimes when you want to yell or make a big fuss about something, I'm going to ask you to think of your good friend, Alicia, the host of this wedding podcast and think of my soothing Australian, well, not people, people wouldn't say that, my Australian voice saying, do you need to be yelling at your partner right now? Was that snipey bitchy comment necessary? Are you taking out the fact that the shoes that you want are $550 and you really only allocated $50 in your budget? Are you taking that out on your partner because they overcooked the spaghetti tonight? These are things that are going to happen, but I ask you to take a deep breath. Don't be a shithead. Relax. And laugh off the most ridiculous things because trust me, in six months, 10 months, 12 months, two years, when this is all done and dusted, you'll think back and go, why don't I get angry at that? That was stupid. That was really dumb. Number 11, you will buy wedding magazines that you don't need. And this is a big spoiler alert. They are just advertising catalogs. Now, I love flicking through a wedding magazine, even now. I'm not getting hitched. I'm in the industry. I like to learn. But I have a feeling, well, in a similar way to free-to-air television, it's all coming to an end. The wedding magazines are getting a bit desperate because great blogs are out there for free. We are all perusing our content online. And wedding magazines are basically cutting all their staff They're not producing great content anymore. And when you open them up, the first 75 pages are advertisements for the same shit over and over again. Now, they haven't given me much love. I'm not giving them much love back, to be honest. That sounds mean, but it is this idea. I'm a new media person. I'm a lot of people are saying I'm not buying wedding magazines because I'm listening to your um, podcast and I'm going to explore gorgeous imagery on wedding blogs and Pinterest. So I think wedding magazines, to be honest, aren't exactly a good use of your money. I would say buy a couple, peruse, but, you know, watch your, watch your, watch your coins. And can I just say that sounded really bitchy, that I'm not supporting them, so they're not supporting me. I'm just saying that, you know, they don't have, I don't have much relevancy for the wedding magazines, so I get it. Why would they care what little Alicia's doing at home? Number 12. Oh, God, that just sounded so passive-aggressive, by the way. So unnecessary. Number 12, you may become 
temporarily enamoured with ridiculous themes like stalactites at midnight or I'd like to create a seagull soiree. They're just two I came up with, uh, I was going to say off my head, off the top of my head, not off my head. I'm perfectly sober right now. Um, Here's the thing. One time you might be thinking, you know, we went 10 pin bowling once. I think we should have a red, black and white 10 pin bowling theme wedding. And you're like, what the fuck? What does that relevant, how, what relevancy does that have to your real life? Maybe, right? Maybe you are huge Game of Thrones fans. Think about this though. I, I love, I go through real phases. I loved Lost. Did we have a Lost wedding? No, because that probably... Well, that's dated. We talk about dating things. That probably would have been a bit weird and sad. Maybe. Maybe not. I love Seinfeld. I did not... The only way I did not put any Seinfeld stuff in the wedding except for a Jerry Seinfeld reading in our ceremony. I do think you need to think about 20 years' time. Will you still wanting to be into Game of Thrones? Maybe. Actually, Game of Thrones, people are really obsessed. But I think you need to think about themes and say you don't have to have a theme, you know, a full theme with everything. It doesn't have to be a crazy themed extravaganza. It's a wedding. It's not a show. So I just want you to think, don't feel pressured to have to come up with something that's elaborate and uh, not really about you. Sure, I'm not I'm not discounting the fact that some people are super fans of anime or you've got something you do together that is uh, important to you. But if you don't, don't be forcing it. Don't force it, baby. That was gross. Number 13, you unwittingly become a politician. Trump and Hillary have nothing on bride chillers and groom chillers because we all get sucked into family politics, friends politics. We become skilled negotiators. We're all doing filibusters to try and convince each other who should be invited to the wedding, how much money we should be spending on the wedding. You do become this sort of very clever communicator. And it goes back to not fighting and keeping the peace, but also getting what you want. And I think if you are new to the podcast, you should go back and listen to the other 179 or 180 episodes I've produced because this is a big theme in what I do. But it is all about trying to stay true to your desires, wants and needs while also making sure you and your family don't kill each other, to say it really nicely. Which in turn doesn't mean that you have to quick, quickly relent and, and, and give up. It just means being a skilled negotiator, learning the act of compromise, but also being forceful without being a total asshole in saying, no, this is the decision we're going to make. You're going to have to live with that. It's something that isn't easy to do for a lot of people, but I think once you can get this and you get over the hump of feeling that this is a challenge for you to communicate, to get your message across, it can really help you with the rest of your life. That's what I think. That's what I think. That sounded like something from Home Shopping Network. But that's what I think, guys. Number 14, this is a hard one for a lot of people to get. No one cares as much about your wedding as you do, except for me. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that because I'm a, uh, a voice in a faraway country. But I, I mean this truly. A lot of people take things really sensitively if you aren't immediately being responded to, your RSVPs aren't immediately being responded to, don't be taking offense. 
Yes, some people are rude and don't respond and they're jerks, but a lot of people just have lives. Sometimes friends will get sick of you talking about your wedding. Sometimes friends just want you to ask, how are they going? What's happening in their live life? Especially single friends. I'm the first one to stick up for the single friends gal because for so many years I was that gal. And so many years I was smiling and happy genuinely for my friends. But I'm also like, if I fucking have to talk about another bridesmaid's dress, just ask me how my awful, awful one night stand went. Those were the days. I'm really happy I'm not there anymore. But I do have empathy for friends that are going through multiple other friends' weddings and having to sort of act joyously when not they're not always joyous and also hearing the minutiae of wedding planning can sometimes really give you the shits number 15 is an oldie but a goodie pinterest is a helpful enemy we love pinterest we hate pinterest we love it we hate it we hate it we love it we love it it was like a performance piece in itself look pinterest love hate i have mixed feelings with pinterest It's probably for another time. Go back and listen. It was like my third or fourth ever episode. I did a whole episode about needing a Pintervention. And I truly believe Pinterest is a wonderful resource, but I also truly believe we are whiling away precious hours of living, pinning shit we don't need to pin. Get organized. Cut the time down. Make sure you don't fill boards with thousands of photos of the same stuff. And if you are sharing Pinterest boards with vendors and stuff, make sure you're not giving them 4,000 photos. Make sure if you are doing a board, just say here's 10 photos of table settings I like. It's probably even too many. It's really good to edit as you go. And then you can really get hone in and get your ideas of what you want before sharing them with everyone. Because again, it can be even more confusing if you've got 48 photos of flowers just give the florist five two one number 16 a lot of the wedding industry is based on a crappy guilt trip fantasies and dreams now i don't want to be a debbie downer and i've spoken about this in the past about my feelings about this idea that we feel really pressured to have this perfect day this disney day And really, it's about the rest of your life. If you spend five minutes on Instagram, I love Instagram. I used to really not be into Instagram. I think it's a really good resource. I think it's fun. It's entertaining. I love reading. I love all the memes and shit. But honestly, there is a lot of faff, white noise bullshit that surrounds people pinning stuff on Pinterest and Instagram especially as well, where you just go, oh, shut up. Shut up with your beautiful, perfect fantasy day. This is not necessarily how we all live and it's exhausting. So I hope that you can separate nice, pretty things and your wonderful wedding and then also the reality as well that you don't have to strive for perfection because that doesn't, literally doesn't exist. Number 17, as a flow on, a follow on from that statement, your wedding isn't being entered into awards. It is not a competition. You don't have to beat anyone. Your wedding is about you and your other fellow weirdo that you've decided that you would like to attempt to spend the rest of your life with. I'm being a realist here. Not all of us will. Who knows? It's a mystery show. But it's not about being blogged about. It's not about having your wedding go viral. If that is your prerogative then I think we need to all just step back and have some deep breaths and think about the purpose of the day 
and strip it all back. Sure, it's nice being featured in blogs and magazines and whatever, but I mean, that shouldn't be your priority. It really shouldn't. And to be honest, it's usually the photographers and stuff that submit your photos and would ask to share them. So to me, you really need to be able to focus on the importance of sharing your love and commitment with your family and friends and having some amazing cocktails, guys. (laughs) That's what's really important to me. Making people have a really good time, say, oh, that was a smashing event. I really danced my ass off. And gee, those cocktails were good. Not that, gee, I hope that Sharon and Tony, uh, why why did I pick those names? Sharon and Tony's wedding dance goes viral. That's really exciting. Can't wait to see that on BuzzFeed. Oh, who cares? It's exhausting. Again, exhausting. Number 18, my final point. We have made it to the end. The mistakes won't matter in the end. No one will notice. Let's just say that again. The mistakes will not matter in the end. In the end, it's a matter of you guys standing there together, saying your stuff, having a smooch, partying with your family and friends. No one is going to look back on your wedding unless it's a colossal fucking nightmare, which it will not be. It will absolutely not be. And say, Sharon and Tony again, let's stick with them. I'm really sad that Sharon's napkins were peach instead of teal. I mean, it was such a terrible error when the wrong ones turned up. She'll never forgive herself. I can't believe the DJ played the wrong song. What a nightmare. How embarrassing for them. Did you see the way Sharon walked down the aisle? It was out of step with the beat of the music. She'll be beating herself up about that for years. I mean, seriously, no one... I cannot think of one wedding we have been to where I have faulted that sort of stuff. It's just not in me. And if people do fault them, well, then they shouldn't be at your wedding because they sound like pricks. There it is. That is my 18 wedding planning truths. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, would you do me a kindness? Would you do me a favor? Would you review my show on iTunes? It takes two seconds. Like literally, you can rate it. And if you have the time to write a couple of sentences, I would be eternally grateful. It's really good to see there are lots of other wedding planning podcasts being released. And I say that with genuine honesty. If people have advice to give and I'm not giving it, or someone else isn't, we've all got different opinions. I encourage that. But I also encourage you to listen to my show <laughs> and rate and review my show and buy my tote bags and support me. Is that selfish? No, I work very hard. I love you all so much and I love hearing from you. Please leave me a voice message. Tweet me, Instagram me, Facebook me, whatever you want. I'm on it all. I really am on it all. There it is. Until next week's episode. This is episode 181. Next week, uh, what am I doing? I will be talking with, well, actually with a bunch of people because next Monday's episode is groom chiller centric. We haven't done this enough. We're going to learn all about suits from Nathan at menguin.com. They are one of my sponsors. He talks all about finding a really good suit. It's actually really interesting because we talk a lot about women's clothing and attire. And, uh, you know, I learned quite a lot about suits. We're also talking with uh, Rich's best man, Casey. He has left us a hilarious voice message on the show. My friend Will 
is off getting married right now in Canada to his beautiful partner, Joe. They have a destination, like a surprise destination uh, event. So many male-centric, but also very funny female-centric stuff we are covering on Groom Chiller Week. And uh, I'll be delighted if you join me. If you like the show also, please spread the word and uh, just thanks. That's basically it. Of course, there is an episode on Thursday and Friday, but the uh, Groom Chiller stuff is next week. Gosh, get your shit together, Alicia. All right, until then, happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right? <laughs>